the Goddess Tarot Society podcast. We are currently exploring the themes of the major arcana and how they come through in our daily lives. And we've reached the point that we're going to talk about death. Dun, dun, dun. So death in the tarot is all about honouring the ending of cycles. Lucky number 13, which does have its ties to the moon, being roughly around 13 moon cycles in the year. Change, transformation and transition. And today's guest we have on is... Yes, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. She's so fantastic. Thank you so much. I just feel like giving you a round of applause. <laughs> applause for coming on. I'm like, oh! I've been so excited for this episode. So would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about... A little bit about yourself and how we met. What an introduction. <laughs> You're the only person to get an applause yet. Oh my God. I feel so much pressure. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm excited to be here in person. I know. Matching cups. Matching cups. <laughs> matching cups of tea. Uh, currently on a trip to Edinburgh, visiting Hannah's lovely little flat. Um, we've had a great weekend and we've been mm. excited to record this all weekend. A bit nervous as well. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, so yeah, very happy to be here. Fabulous. So yeah, yesterday we had so much fun at the Fringe. We saw, we started with like a comedy show, then we saw another comedy show, but with magic. Yeah. Yeah. And then we finished the night with a bang, with a burlesque bang. Which was amazing. (laughs) It was so much fun. Yeah, it was so good. And Yaz and I know each other from a few years ago. We lived together in a house share. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. And then our friendship formed after you moved out. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's one of my favourite friendship stories. Yeah. Friendship. I tell everyone. <laughs> we weren't not friends in the house. We weren't friends. And then you you didn't stay for long, to be fair. You moved yeah, um, back closer to, to Oxford. So you didn't have to travel so much. Mm-hmm. And then the friendship blossomed. Well, my favourite thing about our friendship, and one thing I really value about our friendship, is that I feel like it was a very intentionally formed friendship. Mm. Um, we put in the work to become friends because yeah. we both knew we'd be kind of lonely after a housemate left and stuff. Um, and I think that that made it a lot deeper and I really value that in our friendship. Thank you. It just brought us together. So, seeing as we're talking about death, will we just dive in the deep end? How do you feel about death? What does death mean to Yaz? <laughs> well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound a bit strange that I'm on this podcast because I feel, I feel kind of unsentimental about death. Um... I'm not, I feel like I I could be a spiritual person, but currently I haven't really tapped into my spirituality yet. Um, You don't need to be polite to us. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Just to give you some context about where where my attitudes come from. Um, Yeah, I feel kind of matter of fact about it currently. And it's interesting because I work in a place where um, death is kind of, well, I work in a a cancer treatment centre. And it's not, it's not, we don't have people dying there. But it's some it's an atmosphere where death is kind of always present, um, and you know, a, a a thing that might happen at any point. Um, and it's it's interesting how kind of desensitized everyone comes to it, um, especially when because I work mostly in admin, and when I just see kind of on a patient's record deceased, it's very it's just very clinical, um, and it always gets me a little bit. Um, and then you just kind of have to move on and be like, yeah, it happens. Um, but personally in my life, I haven't experienced too much death, um, not in kind of my close circles or anything. So it's something I've thought about, but always in a very abstract way. I haven't really been impacted by it. And so, um, that's probably the context of my, of my attitudes, um, 
yeah yeah because I too I've not I've been very fortunate that I've only experienced the death of my grandfather really and um, a few couple of connections but nothing that's hit too close to home but that's that's interesting because you're dealing with people that are dancing with death I suppose mm-hmm. or like it's a very it's a very likely outcome for every single human however most of us manage to kind of put it in a box and file it away far in our little brains to be like okay one day we'll we'll, we'll look at you because also it's something especially the death of another you can't really plan and prepare for that mm-hmm. as much as our minds like to jump through hoops sometimes and do our worst case scenarios really it, you can't prepare yourself for yeah. it and I think that's where kind of um, I think that's where the difference comes because I can see why some people would be very stressed at the thought of death um, because it's something they can't control. Whereas I've always found the things I get stressed about are more the things I can control, and if I can't control it, I don't tend to stress about it. Mm. Um, I think I, it's not that I'm not distressed by the thought of death. Um, I think I'd be more scared of pain than of death, and more um, I would feel more for the people left behind than the person who's gone. Um, I don't really. Well, it's not that I don't believe in an afterlife, but I don't have any thoughts about what happens after death because I just don't know. I don't tend to think about things that I can't answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's more of the the kind of fear of the unknown, the people left behind. Um, that's the that's the tragic part of death, isn't it? Yeah. The person who's gone, they've gone. <laughs> They're yeah, not to a better place. Maybe maybe we'll <laughs> be up, up in the clouds, up in heaven, or where, wherever we may may lead to. <laughs> There's so many different explanations, and I think. Even my beliefs on that change on a regular basis. And death is something that I've been trying to not contemplate my own death, but bring in the fact that because I'm going to die, why not just do the things I want to do? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that doesn't always come through. Like recently I've been (laughs) like, okay, um, maybe I should get like a skull or something, like symbolic to be like, look, (laughs) have a look at that every day. That's where your head is. So you might as well do all those things. That one on your ceiling when you're like, (laughs) dead. (laughs) You're going to die. Get out of bed. Days are limited. But then it's also, it's also like, I keep saying dancing today. I'm up for a boogie, but um, dancing with the thought that, yeah, yeah, like days are limited, so you don't want. I don't want to push into the other way, being like, "Oh well, we're all gonna die. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Whatever. I'll just, I'll just stay cozy in bed." So depending on the mood, is how that, how that can motivate me. But yeah, endings and change within life and within one life cycle when we're experiencing life as well can be difficult to transition from one thing to another, which we'll get onto late later but in what ways yes do you believe it's healthy or unhealthy to contemplate death <laughs> to ponder over it yeah well I guess it depends how how deeply you contemplate it and what direction you take it in but I think um I think the most kind of universal one is that it it gives you a chance to really gain some perspective um and assess your priorities in life um in terms of what you've done so far what you want to do in the future what you want to have done before you die how the people behind will remember you, whether you've been a good person or not, whether you've achieved the things you want to achieve. So I think it can be, like you say, a bit of a kick up the arse to, to go out and do what you've been saying you're going to do. Um, but I think the other um, the other very useful one for me is um, thinking about your relationships um, in terms of, for example, if I were to die tomorrow, would so-and-so know how much I love them kind of thing? Um, or what more could I have done? 
you know, because you get very comfortable in your relationships, don't you, with like your friends, your family, with your partner, and you think you've always got more time. Um, or you can think of it the other way: if they were to die tomorrow, um, you know, would they would they die feeling loved? Um, and I think that's really important. And that's it's kind of a cliche, but I think that's that's the most important things in our lives, isn't it? It's our relationships. So um, I think death really makes us value our relationships a lot more. Yeah, and bring love into the equation. I know within my family, I'm very more, much more inclined to be like, I love you, love you, love you. Yeah. And like, goodbye. And I, I find it wild <laughs> when, when I speak to people who, for example, one of my housemates the other day said, oh yeah, me and my family, we never say I love you. And I find that so strange. And it's an interesting one, because like, we said it a lot in my family. Um, and <laughs> in half of my family, there actually wasn't much love. And so the words I love you didn't really mean anything. Um, but it's still it's still nice to hear them, you know. Um, so I can't imagine growing up in an environment where where the word love wasn't just thrown around willy nilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even realise it till recently. Mm. <laughs> it was my my partner was Shanda that was like, you know, you're the only one that says love you at the end of the calls. That's specifically the end of the calls. Like I do know my yeah. family love me. They just don't that's just not their way of expressing it as like saying I love you. So it must be something that's just came to me, through me, through other friends and mm. my experiences throughout life. But I think I lo- you've really embraced love in your life as well. Mm. And you're very intentional about the way you love people. So I guess it makes yeah. sense that you would express it very clearly. Yes. I do I do try to because, yeah, we do have this, this one life. And as much as we say, oh, yeah, we have this one life, we're not always going to have the time. I think that's also why, in my opinion, I mean, I'm only 26, so I've still got to reach my 30s and people seem to find this... 30 bomb, a big crossover, mm-hmm. or whether it's 30, 40, or changing the decades. And to me, my way of thinking just now is like, right, I knew from early 20s, I was speaking to people later 20s, they're like, oh no, 30s coming, like, ah, my goodness, I'm not young anymore. But it's just that that's such a pivotal point to look back and think, oh gosh. I thought I was going to do X, Y, Z in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, there might be a bit of comparison there to be like, all right. Some of my friends, whether it's the career or whether it's the kids and the husband or wife or what have you, I think sometimes throughout life we do have these markers to reflect and I just like, as much as I can, looking into the future and seeing where I'll be to kind of build there. And I've managed to achieve all the goals I've wanted to so far. Oh, and ones, well I, done. ones I didn't know I had, such as tarot reader. <laughs> 20-year-old me would have not have saw that one coming, but I'm so grateful that it has. The only, I suppose the only thing I need to get my finger out was um, a few years ago I set some intentions like what should I do before I'm 20? Though that's not before I die, I'm just trying to Mm kind of make more reasonable markers for myself, assuming I'll make it to 30, fingers crossed, (laughs) um, was to be fluent in another language. And it's just, I have the biggest block, the biggest barrier that I put up for myself in speaking another language. Mm -hmm. But now I don't necessarily have much of an excuse because... Shandor speaks Hungarian and many other languages so really I should just dive into that one so mm-hmm. I'm like I've got my book <laughs> I've started and I need to get back to it so I can um tick that one off because that's not something you can just pick up overnight <laughs> when I'm 20, <laughs> 29 I can sing you the Friday song and that's it the, the, pain, Friday song. the pain tag song I'll probably absolutely butcher it so <laughs> I hope nobody Hungarian's listening but it's like pain tag as a nipom and then it goes on it took me a whole week to learn the chorus oh. of that song <laughs> that was beautiful thank you you're so welcome <laughs> <laughs> sorry to any Hungarian listeners <laughs> but um 
yeah, back to death and contemplating that in these check-ins, I also feel that it's somewhat related when we do hit the decade markers that we're like, oh gosh, we're not where we thought we'd be or we, we want to be. Mm. And there is, it is a fine balance between knowing that, right, let's regroup, let's recenter. I am where I am, let's carry on going, but not to allow that to be complacent as mm. well. Because I know some people are like, oh, you're on the divine path. Everything's right timing, which I do believe. A lot of, a, a lot of my being does believe as long as you're actively taking the actions to go where you want to go or you'll remain the same because there's people out there that are examples to us that perhaps haven't followed what they wanted to do or things they wanted to do big or small it could be small things as well just living within comfort zones etc and yeah back to my first episode I just think of old Hannah hopefully 80 year old Hannah in my rocking chair thinking back and being like oh I'm so glad I did these things whether it's starting a podcast or starting my own business and something that I really love that I can help and share with people and um, I think that's that's how I view death as well mm. it's also just like the end of things and looking back because I think you'll be very proud of yourself yeah I'm proud oh, of you thanks because <laughs> thanks, I'm like does because there is a chance that nothing matters and there's a chance that everything matters at mm. the same time so I'm like I'd rather like what do you want to believe I'd rather have a belief than not have a belief is where I'm starting to evolve my thinking to mm-hmm. and not to let other people's opinions that nothing matters and blah blah, blah get to my mind because when I believe everything matters I see more signs and synchronicities I know it's not necessarily your way of living but um, I feel that there's more magic when I put more meaning to my life mm-hmm. personally as I experience it so I definitely believe that yeah, yeah a little a little Hannah, Hannah Ramble there. But um, if you were to die today, yeah, would you regret anything on that note? No, I really wouldn't. Um, and I think I've, I, this is very much because I've had like a, a relatively easy life, and I acknowledge that. Um, but no, I, I've never really had regrets, even when bad things have happened, because because I'm happy with where I am now and with the person I am now. Um, and I mean I have been treated horribly in the past and that's not I'm not saying that's how I'm not saying that's the best way to become a good person but um, yeah I I like where I'm at now I feel like I'm constantly growing Um, I'm sure if I look back on myself in a year I'll be like who was that (laughs) and I'll be really I'll be cringing at myself but um, but no I never I never have regrets Um, and I think I think generally I'm quite lucky that I do have a positive mindset and I have been in less positive mindsets in the past before um but I know I'll always kind of get through it um but yeah I think again coming back to the relationships in my life I think that's the biggest that's the biggest thing um because everything that's happened in my life has um helped me meet the people that I know and love um and that's what's really important to me and I know if I'd ended up somewhere else I'd have met other people that I that I loved but yeah I'm happy um, and I think the other thing that, um, I've noticed this difference actually when listening to some of your, your other episodes, um, and it's made me think about it. Um, but for me personally, I know that I've always been kind to myself, um, not in every way, but in terms of just giving myself the time and space that I need to, to be myself, be comfortable in my relationships, not do anything that I don't want to do not conform to anything that I don't want to conform to I give myself the time to think about what I really want 
um, and try and go with that as much as possible. And again, it doesn't mean that I've not, you know, had to do things that I didn't want to do. Um, but kind of overall, overall, I'm very happy with everything that's happened. Um, I've been through stressful times, but they've got me, um, well, kind of giving me perspective on like, okay, that's a time when I didn't enjoy life. How can I learn from that? Um, and get to a point where I am enjoying life. And right now, I'm, I'm not kind of achieving any big goals. I don't really have any big goals, but I'm just, I'm happy. Um, I'm kind of going with the flow at the moment. I'm not putting any pressures on myself. I'm still, I'm 24. Um, I'm still figuring out what I want to do. And I'm not putting any pressure on myself to have a life plan. Um, and I'm quite proud of myself for that because I think there is a lot of pressure, especially when, for example, when you talk to older relatives and they're like, oh, what are you going to do? Because my job is, my, I love my job so much, but it doesn't pay great. <laughs> and it's the kind of job where there isn't much room for progression um, in the way I would like to progress or like the, the factors I enjoy about it. Um, so right now I'm just kind of riding that out, um, enjoying enjoying where I'm at. And then once I get to a point where I'm not comfortable where I'm at anymore, I can start to assess the future. Um, but I don't tend to plan too far in ahead. I tend to just kind of go with the flow and see where I end up and... I've always ended up in good places. I like that so much, especially from somebody that I'm always impatient with myself. I think it's so <laughs> nice that you can give yourself that space and not have to not have to rush where you're going. And the end of the day, most of us want to achieve happiness or even contentment mm-hmm. rather than chasing happiness. And to be in that space is so yeah. so lovely, and not have it tied to goals. I think it's kind of I think it's just acceptance, really. Like contentment is probably the word. Um, like I do, I do feel a lot of happiness in my life, but I feel like happiness is a more transient thing. Um, whereas I'm just generally, I generally feel content even on days where I'm unhappy. Um, I feel proud of myself that I've got to, I've got myself in a position where if I'm having a bad day, I can take the day off. I can give myself space. I've got people around me who'll look after me. Um, and generally that's a really nice, secure feeling. Yeah. No, it's, it's really important, especially with me recently, my mood's been dipping lots because I'm going through my own transition, my own ending. But if ever I'm in a spiral, it's just far too easy to be like, bad, shame, you should be up, you should be doing things. And I know logically all the things of this acceptance and I have such a fantastic group of friends, albeit I'm in a new city and I've still to make new connections here um, in this place, but overall have a great connection like group of connections if we can get the words out (laughs) but yeah it can still happen but to me personally I don't know if this will help anyone that's listening it's about catching it when you're kind of dipping down into that Mm -hmm. I'm not a mental health professional it's just what works for me Um, anytime that I feel all doom and gloom because of an ending or transition I'm going through and often I can pick up especially logically and affirm to myself that this is a transition and things are going to change mm. and that's one of the main permanents of things is that things are always changing and flowing as you said getting into the flow and allowing it allowing it to come or pass but back to our lovely questions proper random one <laughs> if you were to have a last meal so you knew you're gonna die tomorrow what would you be what would you have oh it would be it would be my mum's Christmas roast dinner. Mm. <laughs> like I love food, and I I thought long and hard about this, and then and then I thought no, the answer is simple. My mum's Christmas roast dinner is amazing because she goes all out. She loves cooking it as well, so it's not like a chore for her. Um, and as me and my sister have got older, we now help out, so it's become like a fun thing we do together. Um, but just having all of those, it's just so comforting, isn't it? It's yeah. all of the comforting flavors. It's the nostalgia of it. 
So that would be my last meal request. I don't know. I think I'd probably want want to have my family there. Yeah. <laughs> you can have the full day. I'll give that to okay, you. Like, good. my cake, not like, I'm not going to isolate that. You're in a little room. room. You're not on death's row or anything like that. <laughs> It'd be, be like a big food challenge. <laughs> can, I, can I eat this whole Christmas dinner on my own before I die? <laughs> Maybe that's how I die. That would be a great way to die. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. <laughs> Too much Christmas dinner. That's oh. it. On the 26th, sex, you're a goner. <laughs> Roll you to your I think grave. we all are. <laughs> and why do you think people fear death? Why do you think that is? Oh, I think... Um, I think my answer is a pretty straightforward answer. It's fear of the unknown, isn't it? And of, like, pain, potential pain, of the nothingness, because that's something that our brains can't really comprehend, and it's scary to think about. Um, that's something I don't spend too much time thinking about because like well you can't can you you just can't um, so like I'll, I'll deal with it when I get there <laughs> um, but yeah I think for me personally um, it's more well a it would be <clears throat> like I said the fear of leaving people behind um, one thing I've really thought about a lot where I work um, because there are a lot of elderly people who come in for treatment and currently it's horrible in, in COVID times. They can't have visitors with them. Yeah, the thing that breaks my heart is when, when you see an elderly couple come in um, and you can see that the kind of couple who, they do everything together because they have to look after each other. And I see this in my grandparents as well. They won't go anywhere without each other. Um, and in, for a lot of them, they're, they're all they have. And so I think that would be if I hopefully die in old age. <laughs> well, I don't know about hopefully. I think it'd be fun to die in like a, a thrilling accident. Um, and not really feel anything but you know everyone says they want to die in old age so we'll go with that um, but yeah if I were to die in old age I think my biggest fear would be leaving someone alone and I think because obviously loneliness is such a big thing for older people as well and um, I've kind of noticed like my, my grandpa will always like every week they're going to a funeral and they just speak so matter-of-factly about it and I guess they have become kind of used to it um, but I think we don't give old people as much space as we give younger people when they're going through grief um, just because we think, oh, they're used to it, it's normal, <laughs> they'll be going soon kind of thing. It's it's pretty tragic. Um, tra- I guess tragic is the word, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I think that would be that would be a, my least, um, least favourite way to die. Yeah. Would you rather be left alone? Well, this is the thing. Like, in a self-sacrificing way, yeah. But also, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I think it's, Die first! You know, if I, if I were to reach old age and I've got a, my life partner and we just died in our rocking chairs holding hands, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? And then everyone would know we died happily together. Because that's the life stories you hear, isn't it? Um, but yeah. But um, my other answer to your question... Well, I don't know if it's an answer, but... Um, I feel like my, I was thinking about when you asked about why people fear death, I was thinking, okay, what's my drive to survive? And I think, honestly, it's just FOMO. <laughs> I just I want to know what happens. Um, so I think, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have any big things I want to achieve in my life before I go. Like I said, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Um, I'm trying to be a good person. I feel like I'm not causing too much harm at the moment. Um, and, yeah, so if I were to die tomorrow... I wouldn't really feel like I'd missed missed out on anything just apart from like other people's lives and knowing what happens and spending time with my friends and stuff like that like it's just fun I guess I can say I'm enjoying life. That's good I like that you know it's probably a similar reason why I'm here as well as much as I want to make sure I do any of the things that I fancy doing here I am just curious about 
like what goes on what, yeah. what happens later on yeah. but the older I get I'm like oh gosh there's not unless you actively develop yourself there's not too much like mental development going on from yeah. now and seeing people whether it's yeah. of course you have different life instances that happen but speaking to somebody in their 50s or 60s mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we're not so different anymore. I used to look at these adults as these, like, all-knowing oh beings and creatures, and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, in some ways that's comforting, and in other ways it's like, oh, you don't know either, so none of us know. Am I ever going to feel like I know what I'm doing? And I think the answer is no. Just do it with your chest. Whatever you decide to do, just <laughs> just do it. There's going to be somebody that disagrees, so mm-hmm. you might as well mm-hmm. go ahead first. <laughs> And so in terms of death, as saying in the tarot, it doesn't need to be this symbolic death in the physical sense, but we can represent endings in general, change, transformations and transitions. What has been your biggest uncomfortable transformation you've experienced with the most bumps in the road? Oh, <laughs> shook you around. It's <laughs> a big question. Um, I think I can think, well... I think all of my uncomfortable transitions have all been kind of rolled into one. Like it's all just part of growing as a person. That's how I see it. Um, so like I said before, I feel like most people feel like they would look back on themselves a year or two ago and, and just cringe. <laughs> um, so I feel like I have been in kind of a constant transition. And I think as kind of a person who's spends a lot of time thinking about self-improvement and how can I be better and how can I learn from this and that, it does feel like one slow gradual transition rather than a bombshell where like my whole life has been shaken up. Um, and I enjoy that process. Like I really, I really enjoy being out of my comfort zone. Um, and it's interesting cause I like, I often, I think the like the starkest transition I can see in myself is that growing up um, or kind of until I reached maybe 18 and left home for uni, um, I was always kind of a very shy, reserved, um, unconfident person um and like quite neurotic as well quite anxious um scared of taking risks scared of being out of my comfort zone and then I got to uni and I was like right yes you're gonna push yourself and the best advice anyone ever gave me which I always tell anyone who listen (laughs) is when you move to university this is very specific to moving to uni I think um and you're living in student halls buy a doorstop leave your door open and speak to everyone who walks past and that's what I did and it was terrifying because I was never that person like I was always the kind of person who shrank away didn't want people to notice me but I did that and I happened to live like at the top of a staircase so anyone who came up the stairs had to walk past my room and I'd be sitting on my bed I had a really small room so I'd have to sit on my bed when I worked and anyone who walked past I'd obnoxiously shout hi hi what's your name (laughs) and I made friends that way or I got to know people that way um and yeah I mean I was lucky that when I went to uni it was the kind of structure of it was such that there were um we were kind of like a family like in our halls um it was harder to not make friends than it was to make friends and there was wait yeah um and there were loads of activities planned and so I would have had to literally never leave my room to not make friends um but I did put myself out there and I was really proud of myself and I feel like that was kind of the the breakthrough for me where I was like oh people do like me I can be fun I can do things and I think part of it was that when I was growing up I was very sheltered I wasn't allowed to kind of like go to parties and do the things that my friends were doing and that made me feel very different from the people and made me kind of hold back a bit um because I knew that there was always going to be a limit to how much I could you know engage in a friendship um but yeah once I kind of became my own person and gained my own freedom that's something I'll never ever take for granted now like 
I think that's why I'm so happy with my life now is because I just feel this feeling of autonomy, like complete autonomy and freedom. I'm very independent. Um, and that's something that I still like, the the joy of it has, has, hasn't gone away. Like since I moved to uni, I still feel it every now and again. I'm like, wow, I'm so free, I can do anything. And then I went traveling and um, every time I do something that I wouldn't have, that I never would have dreamed of as a kid that I never thought I'd be able to do. I just feel this really real feeling of pride in myself even if I don't manage to get all the way with it, you know, like completely out of my comfort zone. Um, at least I know I'm kind of, I, I have become the person I wanted to be or I'm having the kind of life I wanted to have. Already? Um, At 24? Yeah, yeah. Or I even just, before that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, bam. Um, so yeah, that was a long ramble that I don't think really answered your question, but um, yeah, I think oh, I love that, that ramble. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so lovely to know that you can go from being one version of yourself and yeah. quite literally transform. Yeah. Usually there's event, some kind of event that can help push you through it, but mm-hmm. like, it's amazing if you don't like who you are right now, it happens sometimes you can move yeah. through into someone else. I think it's Another just because like, of you. it was like a, a wildest dreams kind of thing. Like I just never thought I'd be this kind of confident person. Um, and I guess that's just part of growing up for a lot of people, but I see it in a lot of my friends now where they haven't reached that stage yet. Um, and one of, one of my favorite compliments, which you have given me, which I love, um, is when people say I'm inspiring. And I don't mean that in like a, oh, look at me kind of way. Um, but just, I, I really like that the fact that the work I've done on myself to become the confident, comfortable person I am, um, just kind of being myself and making it clear that I'm being myself mm. um, helps other people feel more comfortable with themselves. And, you know, I'm quite comfortable with being vulnerable in some ways and that helps other people be vulnerable. Um, and I can see that in my friends and I feel like, um, a lot of my friendships, a lot of my friends say they value that the fact that they can kind of, yeah, be a bit more vulnerable. Yeah, of course. You have this amazing way of being like super, super loving and understanding and also have the best way of telling people off that's like really straightforward (laughs) to the point. Like if something they're doing is wrong, like you won't hesitate in telling them or, you know, just kind of smile smile around. And I love that. I love that. But sometimes (laughs) I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to get a wee telling off. But I deserve it. I'm like, oh, bad Anna. Oh, no. (laughs) No, that's a tough one. Yeah, because I do. No, but I really appreciate that because you don't get that from many people. Like most of the time... It takes so much courage for me, even thinking about it, I'm like taking a deep breath in, like, oh, having to address certain things with people rather than it just being like, oh, just kind of like move through it in a like, yeah. matter of fact way. It doesn't need, to, not everything needs to be a big song and dance if somebody's views are perhaps, you know, um, a little bit incorrect and... I'm not going to go into an example just now, but some people that need some guidance on certain things and needs to hear something otherwise they'll just carry on living mm-hmm. and that's true I think for me it's like it's also a like it's not it's not easy to to be that way but for me it's it's a very deliberate thing of again being true to myself and I feel like one of my kind of core personality traits is being quite moral sometimes to a fault um, but I just know that I wouldn't be comfortable in myself, you know, if I didn't. And sometimes I try to, I try to assess like, to what extent am I responsible for other people's, you know, moral decisions and whatever. And to what extent can I be like the arbiter of what's, what's acceptable and what's not, you know, cause everyone's got their own, um, kind of viewpoints and I, I respect that. Um, but I think for me, if I know in my heart that something is wrong or just like, it's not so much like I don't tend to clash with people anymore. Like I used to be, 
you know, when you go when you go off to university and you discover all the terrible things in the world and you're really angry about it. And I went through this, this was a really uncomfortable transition I went through where I became this. I just had a lot of anger in me and I'd never been a particularly angry person before. And I did become um, a bit judgmental and kind of, I could be a bit high and mighty sometimes. And it was just my way of trying to get the people around me to be better um, because I knew that like how disappointed I was in myself for not being better. And I didn't, you know, I was trying to help other people kind of see that or go through that journey or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then now I'm kind of, I feel a lot more content. I've got to a place where I'm much more kind of at peace in myself and at peace with the fact that some people want to work on things, some people don't. It's not my place to say always. Um, it's not always going to make me feel better to say something. Um, and maybe it can make you feel worse sometimes. You, feel you give me the best advice ones where like, well, yes, you opened my eyes. Like I actually invited this. You didn't project this onto me. Like I was really interested in learning feminism around about the time we met. Like mm. one of the reasons I feel you're putting my life at that time was to help me through those understandings I was making for myself. And I was having a conversation to somebody, um, a man about my views in feminism. And I was like, yes, what can I say? You're saying all these ridiculous points. It doesn't make sense. Like blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you know, you don't need to talk to him about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right <laughs> you're so right and that just changed yeah. everything that I'm like I don't need to fight the fight with people who ain't gonna listen because it upsets me it drains my energy and makes me feel shit so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah protect your energy <laughs> protect your energy my other coming on to feminism my other big transformation which you'll love <laughs> um this this is another very concrete one that can be like right this was a big transformation period was when I shaved my head oh yeah year. yeah so I'd always been, for the listeners, <laughs> I'd always been, um, well, I'd always been very feminine presenting, um, and I always had very long, thick hair, and it was always kind of a big part of my, not personality, but it was like a big um, kind of feature that everyone would always compliment in me, um, and I was always, I, I like, like playing with different hairstyles, and I would dye it different colours and stuff, and so my hair was a big part of my identity, um, but I also hid behind it a lot. And this was when I was still kind of becoming more confident in myself. Um, and I was never really happy with it. Like it wasn't, it didn't serve me. <laughs> um, it was super thick. It would always get in the way. It never looked how I wanted it to look. I had to plan my entire week around when I was washing my hair and having time to dry my hair. Um, and it was just such a nuisance. And most of the time I was battling with it. Um, and it was around that time. It was it was a, a COVID head shave, a <laughs> lockdown head shave. <laughs> Um, but it was around that time also, I think, I'm not sure what it was, but I was, I kind of realised, I I had this realisation where, um, the less feminine I dressed, the more confident I felt. And I, I gave that some thought and I thought, is this kind of the classic thing of like having to, it's not that I was presenting more masculine, but, you know, the, you associate masculinity with confidence, right? And it's like, do I have to act like a man to feel confident? You know how they say about, like, in, in the workplace, you have to be more masculine to to succeed. And I was thinking, is this the case of, like, I'm, like, like hiding my femininity um, in order to feel more confident? But I realised it, it wasn't that, um, and it was more just that I felt like when I was, let's say, performing femininity, I'm, I, I'm a feminine person, um, but when I was outwardly performing femininity, I felt much more open to judgment. And I realised it was because I wasn't really comfortable with it. It was just what had been imposed on me um, and socialised into me. And that's fine. 
Um, but then I thought, okay, I'm going to explore this a bit. I mean, I shaved my head for lots of reasons. Um, but this, <laughs> I've decided it's my life's mission to make every woman I know shave her head at some point because my head. <laughs> it's going to happen, Hannah, whether you oh, like it or no. not. You're going to wake up and see that death card and think, life is too short to be faffing with it's my hair every morning. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, there were lots of reasons, but, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about it, um, a couple of months, um, and I started telling people, because I know myself, like, when I get an idea in my head, no matter how long I think about it, it probably will happen. Um, so I was telling people, <laughs> I warned my, my partner at the time, I said, just so you know, I've been thinking about shaving my head, it probably will happen. <laughs> um, and um, I spent a lot of time watching, like, videos and, like, reading up about women who'd shaved their heads, um, just to kind of, like, psych myself into doing it. And one thing I that really stood out to me when I was watching these videos um, was that no matter what I thought, no matter how I thought these women looked, um, in terms of whether or not I thought they looked attractive or whether the hair, the hair head shave suit them, um, they all said how amazing they felt. And I thought, right, that's the feeling I want. And I want to not care about what I look like. Um, so yeah, one day me and my mom in the kitchen went for it. I went and got an eight pound shaver from Clippers from Asda. <laughs> and I told my mum we're doing it. Um, and we filmed the whole thing. It was really fun. It took ages. Um, and I donated my hair as well. It was really long. So I knew that it wouldn't be for nothing. Um, I knew it would be worth it even if I did look hideous. Um, and and the you biggest did, thing, by the way. Oh, I you looked really, amazing. Really <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it was hard. I'll, I'll get onto it. It was hard, but... Um, I think the thing everyone's scared of when they shave their head is, what if I have a weird head shape? <laughs> so I spent so long trying to feel and trying to like scrape my hair back to see what my hair would look like, my head would look like. But I don't have a weird head shape. <laughs> and even if I did, that would be fine. Um, because I felt amazing. Like as soon as it was gone and I looked in the mirror and I felt it, it was gone. And I just kind of felt this like weight off my shoulders, weight off my scalp. <laughs> Um, of okay, I don't, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I don't have to stress in the morning about what I look like. I have to get used to my face. There's no choice. Um, and yeah, it took me a while to get used to it. Obviously, it was weird. It felt so fun. <laughs> um, I didn't have to. Uh, another thing was that I was going to try the the whole no shampoo thing. Um, that didn't work for me. <laughs> um, but it was fun, you know. And um, as it was growing out, I could like play with the style, see what felt most like me. And I thought, okay, this is a chance for a really fresh start, um, and to decide how I want to present myself. And I did notice that it was I didn't feel comfortable dressing feminine um, with my head shaved because I just felt like it looked weird. And obviously, that's not the point. But you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not there yet <laughs> in terms of my self development. Um, so I was still very self conscious. One thing that was amazing was that I just, um, I don't know if you feel this as well, but you know, as a feminine presenting person, you walk down the street and you can feel the male gaze, you feel it, wherever you are, you can feel it. And I didn't feel the male gaze anymore. And I don't know if it's because it wasn't there or if I just wasn't projecting it because I just decided in my head, okay, I'm ugly now. <laughs> and it wasn't because I felt ugly, but I felt um, like I found that women loved it. Women would always compliment me and I could see men kind of didn't really know how to approach me. And I felt so powerful. I loved that. I felt so free of the male gaze. Um, because like you see, you see a bold woman and regardless of what you think, you're like, well, that's a bold woman. She's clearly confident. She clearly does not care what I think. And that's how, that's how I saw it. I do a lot of projecting. Um, but either way, it achieved what I wanted it to achieve. 
I gained a lot of confidence. It knocked my confidence for a little bit in some ways. Um, and sometimes I did just feel like hiding away. Um, and I actually bought a couple of wigs and that was so much fun because on the days, because obviously when you do something like that, you think, right, I'm pushing myself, I'm gonna grow. But some days you just don't wanna be pushing yourself and you don't wanna grow. Some days you do just wanna look pretty and not have to think about it and not be this strong person. Um, and also some days you just, it, it's amazing. Sometimes you can have bad buzz cut days, which you wouldn't think, but sometimes it gets squished how you sleep. Um, so I got myself a pink wig and it was so much fun and everyone loved the pink wig. Wigs are very uncomfortable. I don't know how people do it every day. Um, but for are they days, itching? Scratching? They can be a bit itchy. They get hot. They can be a bit tight. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun just to kind of like, I could wake up in the morning and be like, okay, which jazz do I want to be today? And it was really fun to be able to put that on and take it off and really decide for myself how it was going to be perceived that day, um, rather than be kind of the subject of people's perceptions. I mean, mm. that doesn't that doesn't make sense. You're always the subject of people's perceptions, but yeah. you know, I felt and, more in control mm-hmm. of and how people perceived so. me. Yeah, um, and it, it sparked some interesting conversations. Um, and I, there, there have been a couple of people actually who I've spoken to about it, who have gone on, I'm not gonna take all the credit, because um, often they've been thinking about it already, but who have then gone on to shave their heads and that's amazing, and they've said they've felt the same things. So if anyone's pondering, <laughs> if anyone <laughs> is wondering what they might look like with a buzz cut or how great it would be to not have to worry about your hair, just do it, and it grows back within a year. My hair's now a cute little shoulder-length bob, and I'm having fun with it. And I've got to a point now where I've decided, okay, this is like the version of myself that I look like now. I really love it because my hair's a good length where I can have fun with it because I do love playing with my hair. Um, I feel like it goes with the outfits I want to wear. Um, but it's still short enough that it's not a problem. It doesn't get tangly. I can wash it really easily. It dries easily. I don't have to straighten it for it to look nice. Um, and it's just been really fun to really take control of that process um, and become kind of the outward version of myself that I want to be. And I've never felt more confident in myself than I do now. What a transformation. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, such a journey. Who would have thought that shaving your hair would have such... Mm like such an effect on you and I love them I love that you get to with the different wigs and the different versions of you and my own way because I mean I personally don't think I'll ever share my head like <laughs> we'll see we'll see <laughs> you'll have to do a lot a lot of convincing for me to do that because like with me and my and my hair journey nothing like yours but like, I never used to like to have ginger red hair, however you want to call it, because oh. everyone... Well, at yeah, school, so people... Pretty. <laughs> at school, people would just say mean things and yeah. not even think twice about it. This yeah. whole, like, I know you can joke about it, but see when all you get is, like, gingers have no soul, or you're <laughs> ugly, or there's only a really hot ginger or a really ugly mm. ginger. There's no in-between. So I used to be always really paranoid, because I'm like, I'm both. If I have my makeup on, I can be... Well, other people are telling me that I look nice. At, at that point in my life, I didn't feel like I was pretty. So I was like, if other people tell me I'm pretty and I'm beautiful when I'm like, say, 15, right? That must be. But if I don't have my makeup on, so I have really fair eyelashes and eyebrows, that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're ugly. So my fix to that was dye my hair blonde. And I mm-hmm. loved it at the time. I have never once contemplated ever going back to blonde and it wasn't really necessarily a proper contemplation but the thought came in my mind last night I saw somebody with lovely blonde hair in the audience not one of the performers at the mm-hmm. Bolesco show and I was like I remember when I used to have blonde hair and I was like oh that's quite fun but I'm like mm. I, I now identify with my hair yeah as you said and I quite enjoy it I've never managed to grow such long hair that, that I've had just now so mm-hmm. I really enjoy having it long because usually I'd say I don't care but it's interesting what you say. Like, I feel more 
beautiful within myself, have longer hair because I believe that to be more feminine. Mm. And I'm, I've spent some time in other ways trying to connect to my femininity um, and things like that. But hair to me isn't something I've focused on, but definitely has a bigger impact yeah. than I have given it the thought of that I've actually... Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if that's how like you're comfortable presenting yeah. yourself and if that feels like the truest version of you, then yeah. that's totally fine. You don't have to go for a big transformation to find it. Mm. Um mm. So you're time... gorgeous, so Thanks. Anytime like I I went I remember I was nineteen once and I went to get a haircut and I was actually really poorly. I probably shouldn't have been at the hairdressers. I didn't realise how poorly I was in terms of I don't know. It was just like not a bad cold. Was I coming down the flu? Who knows? I wasn't feeling great. And I wasn't interacting so much with the hairdressers. I said a thing which was, can you just make it look healthy, take mm. off the dead ends? And they literally cut off such a huge amount of my hair. Oh, the worst. Like, oh. inches and inches and inches. And I was just like, I was in so much shock, but I hadn't paid enough attention to what they were doing. Mm. And I probably hadn't been interacting with them enough that they cut it all the way up to my shoulders, which is fine. But then I realized, I was just like, wow. So I was like, oh, who cares? It's just here. It's going to go back. I can't make them stick it back on me, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Um, but it does, yeah, I suppose that was more my control taken away from me rather yeah. than, than my hair because I wasn't really good at communicating, mm-hmm. would go in and myself in these situations. Oh, we've all had the traumatic it's not really, experience. <laughs> it's not really um, comparative to your, to your experience. No, it is though because this was another aspect of it is that um, kind of a... You know, if you have a bad, bad haircut, it is a big deal and you feel terrible about yourself. And I thought, I don't want kind of mm. how I look to have that much control over how, how I feel. Um, and this is a tangent as well, but something I love to I ramble love about. <laughs> it's, it's nothing to do with death or transformation, really, I don't think. But one thing it made me think about a lot was, yeah, so I wanted this, I wanted to get out of the, the mindset that my hair is a big deal and it matters what it looks like. Um and one thing I th- it made me think about was how much for young girls especially your hair is made to be such a big deal and that's how I'd got to that point where like my entire identity was wrapped up with how I looked and whether my hair looked nice whatever um and, like you know the whole bad hair day is one of the worst things that can happen to a woman um if you if you watch the chick flicks <laughs> um but yeah it made me think about like little girls and you know the whole thing about like I feel like parents and especially dads have this weird fixation with their little girls and having long hair and not wanting to cut their hair because it's so pretty and precious and you know like saving the locks when they cut it um and you know when that you hear like the funny stories about when a kid will cut themselves a fringe or give themselves an awful haircut um, there. and how <laughs> and how their like parents will freak out. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did that when I was when I was shaving my head we went through like the funny haircuts in between I gave myself a funny little oh fringe my goodness, it was that. so much fun um but yeah and it made me think about how like you know like a reaction from your parents if you like if you do something drastic to your hair and it's just like kids having fun and expressing themselves and it shouldn't be a big deal what their hair looks like the other kids don't care they might tease them for a day you know but it grows back and that's the thing it grows back like it's just not a big deal it's not something permanent but it kind of it's one of those first instances I think where especially for little girls your agency is taken away from you and you're not allowed to just make decisions and just do things that make you look ugly because being ugly is the worst thing that a girl can be you know um so it made me think a lot about that and about how I might approach if I were to have um a daughter how I would approach that and how I would want to give her as much freedom over how she expresses herself as she wants and not make it a big deal whether or not she looks pretty you know for sure because it is lots of the smaller things that affect 
effect is in, mm. in that sense like you're saying with with the hair i watched a video online similar to that i think it was super nanny or something <laughs> and this dad was just like no i don't want you to cut your hair short yeah. like i just don't want to and it was his control rather than anything yeah. to do with her it's like his control and letting go of particular, yeah it? letting yeah. go of her growing up was the conclusion they met and that little clip and it was just like wow <laughs> to be, i've been quite fortunate in the sense that my parents have been supportive with the likes of like haircuts and things. I had really long hair, probably the longest, longest I've ever had, like down to my bottom at some point in primary school. And then I did, I've always been a woman of extremes. I went straight <laughs> up to a little bob and like, at that point I loved it. But the time, still in the subject of haircuts, um, when I was in like first or second year of high school, I went from having reasonably long, not like super long, like down to my bummer and thin hair, and I was like, Victoria Beckham, she's cool. Everyone was just <laughs> rocking these like inverted Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I loved a dramatic, like I've always loved like a dramatic change or whatever. And it didn't really help that me and a friend, we laugh about it now, both got a similar haircut at a similar time. <laughs> and it was that whole thing that like, you can't copy me, blah, blah, blah. So that didn't help with the situation. But I did just realise then I didn't have the words to put to it. I was like, hmm, I went from feeling good to not feeling good with shorter hair, but I didn't have the language or understanding of the background as to why that, why that was and why you just don't feel as good with, with shorter hair as... Mm-hmm. Um, as a female and there's so many other things that I'm trying to work through in myself and how I express myself that yeah that's just my hair I'm like mm-hmm. I'll put put you in a side put you aside <laughs> <laughs> there's enough, there's enough to, to be getting on with and talking about beauty standards and things something that I've surrendered to is the fact that I do feel better when I have tinted eyebrows and I get my mm-hmm. eyelashes done because I always, in every cycle towards the end, of the end of the cycle, when I'm about to get my eyelashes done and my eyebrows tinted, I'll start close, maybe hating is a strong word, but really finding myself so unattractive mm-hmm. and then beating myself up for not being this confident, self-love <laughs> person. And then I go get my eyelashes, get the LVL, they like pop little pair and you're like, oh, look <laughs> at me. My eyebrows done, I'm like, oh, look at me. And then I feel... There's other things wrapped into behind behind the scenes with that. But then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, relief. Like, yeah. look at me. Like, I feel great. I feel my best self. But feel guilty that it's not my natural yeah. self as well. Because you should be naturally pretty. And it still looks natural and purposely so. But it technically, I know it isn't. And yeah. it's something, a small thing that kind of happens to me. Mm. The, way I've, the way I've kind of made peace with that kind of thing is because I'm kind of the same like I've I've actually done really well recently I've I've always always worn makeup and I've always hated not wearing makeup but literally in the last few weeks I've stopped wearing makeup and the only thing I wear now is just a bit of concealer on my spots and my eyebrows um which is ridiculous because I have dark eyebrows and I'm just shaping them a little bit and it doesn't really make me look any different but it makes me feel a lot better but one thing I've thought about with in terms of you know not beating yourself up for doing these little things to make yourself feel more like what you want to look like um, is how much time you spend on it, how much time you waste mm. on it, how much of your energy you're wasting on it. And so that was what it was for me with my hair, was that it was taking so much of my time and my en- energy and my mental space. Even when I was having a conversation with someone, I'd be like, oh, does my hair look okay? Do I, should I tuck it behind my ear? Whatever. And it's a distraction. Um, and that's where, in terms of beauty standards, that's the that's one of the aims, isn't it? It's to distract us, make us spend, like, waste all our time and energy on looking pretty and not, you know, focus on the important things. So if you like taking half an hour out of your day to go and like however many pounds you spend on getting your eyebrows done 
um, makes you feel good for a number of weeks. You haven't wasted any time or energy. You've given yourself time and energy because you feel more confident, so you're probably going to do better in life. And if that's what it takes, it's not a big deal. Like, you're not letting the feminist side down, like... um, And, you know, you're allowed to have your own your own perceptions of what looks good and what doesn't. And if you think you look good like this, and that's fine. Thank you. It's really nice to hear from somebody else. And also, one of the best things I ever said, it was my beautician down when I was living in Banbury. I remember I must have made a comment to her about the process. I've always done tinted my eyebrows myself because people make a dog's dinner of blonde mm. eyebrows, however, <laughs> um, with, with the eyelashes. And she just said it's so matter-of-fact. She was just like... Well, we can't have everything, can we? Like, we've got these <laughs> lovely long eyelashes. So what through blonde? You can't see them. Just mm-hmm. you tint them. You feel good and be on with it. Like, not everyone has any, everything. And you're yeah. like... That's so true. Oh, yeah. I just want to be like these, you know, like... I, I don't necessarily think this in my mind, but you see all these ideas or portrayals of women or whether you're attracted... Or whoever your partner is will tell you that certain people are attractive. So... I've always, in the past, and it still comes through, but I can observe it and let it go now, would be like, oh, maybe I should be more like Scarlett Johansson if they think she's really pretty. But, oh, shit, my boobs aren't big enough. My body's not the same. I'm not blonde. Like, how can I compare Mm -hmm. to that? And then the spiral happens. And then you realise, when I got to a certain age, maybe that was when I was, like, 17, and then I get to, like, 20, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, the people I fancy fancy so many different ways of women mm-hmm. and perhaps even men. And then then that was my biggest understanding was like, I can't even be a man. I can't be a man. So therefore, I can't compete. And that was like this big moment that I was just like, right, just accept how you are. Mm-hmm. You're great how you are. Because I, I was trying to be all these different kinds of women that I couldn't be. And then I was like... Oh, it was quite nice knowing that some like one of my past partners was attracted to men because then I was like, you can't. Be it was like this nice relief. I was so accepting of it, but I was like, it was also helped me in a strange way. <laughs> like one can't compete, and That's that was really just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So transformations, eh? And they sometimes can happen out the blue as well. But mm. usually they build up over time. Like you said, you just you didn't wake up one day and was like, right going to shave my head well in theory kind of but there was like a build up to it yeah. a process you go through the phase and mm-hmm. um, the death card for me being related to cycles and, and the moon and these things that more often than not it's gradual but you will have that like full moon peak mm. energy that like it'll happen the thing will happen and then yeah one thing a quote from you actually i'm gonna quote you now <laughs> oh quoting me roughly um <laughs> It was in one of your other episodes that I was listening to the other day because I'm an avid re- listener of oh, your podcast, you. <laughs> a big fan. Um, you said something because I was thinking about, you know, I was reflecting on death in preparation for our podcast and you said something about how um, it was like um, you were using an analogy of like roses and you were saying we can't always be blossoming, we need periods of growth as well. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a really good little nugget. And it's like, it's when you think about it, it's obvious, but it's just good to state these things sometimes. Um, and in terms of transformation as well, you can't always be having these big epiphanies and you can't always be your best self. Like sometimes you do have to just retreat and have a really good thing and, you know, make some mistakes and sometimes maybe go the wrong way and then realise, oh, that's the wrong way, but then it makes your the right way so much clearer, you know. Um, and it's all about just gaining confidence in yourself at the end of the day, I think, and just refining Mm. refining it until you become the version of yourself you actually want to be rather than the version you've been told you should be exactly and it's very liberating and as somebody that's very much experiencing the death card and has been experiencing the death card for almost two 
freaking years. I'm like, right, where's the expansion gonna come? Like, I've done the shedding, the letting go. I don't feel like I've been in bloom for, like, ages. Though a lot actually happens and you do a lot of growth when you don't feel like it. Um, so, yeah, I love the rose analogy. That's mm-hmm. just like, it's okay if you're not... Blooming doesn't happen once a year, necessarily. You might have... Might take a few years of, like, mini many growth spurts before you get to the big like I feel great look at me blossoming <laughs> and you can't resist how you're going to blossom because yeah. maybe you're not even a rose and then you won't <laughs> feel great forever you'll go back back exactly. again and you'll cycle you'll wilt and that's fine and die <laughs> and then <Dead>. be reborn <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly be reborn that's the thing with most, uh, most tarot readers when the death card comes out it's like oh yeah it's fine it's rebirth everything will be fine again and I'm like well it'll be a bit of a bumpy ride shake you around a little bit but yes everything will ultimately be fine and don't you want to you want to see what's happening it's that FOMO as well you might as well just like hang on to the ride like see what's going to come there's we experience so many different things you have done already you're going to experience so much more Mm -hmm. fun cool people annoying people (laughs) (laughs) I think yeah I think that's the biggest thing um that I've enjoyed discovering as I've kind of come into adulthood is that you just don't know where you're going to end up like you just can't predict what's going to happen next year um and the person you might be and the experiences you're going to have and that's so I mean it can be daunting but generally it's very exciting um and you can kind of seize that and make it what you want it to be yeah we really can oh I've had such a lovely day yeah oh (laughs) thank you for this you're so welcome I've loved hearing you like I've heard your story of shaving your head before but just never in such a beautifully delivered way so wonderful thanks (laughs) for sharing with us in the listeners do you have anything you want to add any little nuggets of wisdom before we round up um no I don't think so like death, your experience. I don't, I don't know that I have that much wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> you have so much wisdom because, as I said, like you literally were a catalyst to a lot of my learnings back. Aww. Yeah, back when we were becoming friends and I was diving into feminism. And those that have decided to dive into fem- feminism recently, another Yaz wisdom was you're allowed to have a break sometimes. It doesn't <laughs> need to be everyday hustling and bustling, like mm-hmm. everyday activism. If you need a break and a rest, give yourself that and you'll come back recharged and ready to whether it's share your message or learn or whatever you're doing that can really help um as well you've taught me many things oh many, can, many have a, things can we have a little surprised. hug for the microphone yes <laughs> 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 hugging through the microphone <laughs> but thank you so much yes for coming on honestly i've been i'm not even lying when i said i've been so excited for this oh, episode i've just been excited to see you in the flesh yeah i know that too your wee hoos my wee hoos <laughs> means house in scottish for those international <laughs> listeners or english <laughs> the english are the worst to understand the scottish i've been i've been practicing learning a second language too my yeah. scottish Yaldi as well. Yaldi! Yaldi! Which means like woohoo. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much. Can't wait to connect with everyone in next week's episode. So, that was Death. Death doesn't need to be all doom and gloom. It's actually quite inspirational and worth reflecting on. And yes, it's always such a pleasure. But until next time, thank you so much, Yaz. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. And we'll tell you we love you because we do. We love Mwah. you. <laughs>